Welcome to the Monday, August 2nd edition of the Clemson Dubcast. If it's August, that must mean summer is over. For us, at least. A lot already going on. And then on Friday, of course, uh, the start of August football camp. Much awaited, highly anticipated. Football staff turning its attention to full-time football after a really productive month of recruiting. Boy, that escalated quickly, didn't it? Or maybe the panic over recruiting de-escalated. Paul Strilo, as usual, with the goods in his Monday Insider. Ton of great content, insight, and intel. As usual, from Paul at TigerIllustrated.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold, based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864 Two six three five zero seven. Okay, to our conversation with the dude of West Virginia, Christopher Lambert is his name. A lot of y'all will probably remember the last round of Realignment Madness, oh gosh, about a decade ago. The dude became a prominent voice in the social media discussion of realignment. He is a phenomenon unto himself. So without further ado, here we go. Enjoy. This is a good one. Okay, joined by Christopher Lambert, the dude of West Virginia. Man, I am uh, very glad to have you on. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. I think I reached out to you two years ago um, as a potential podcast guest just to look back on all the craziness of the last round of realignment. And you said, sure, uh, anytime. And then uh, 100% fault of mine it slipped through the cracks it was probably the season started and i just forgot about it and i'm not as organized as i should be but then once uh once this most recent stuff started happening over the last week or so uh some <laughs> i think it was somebody on our message board at tigerillustrated.com said i wonder what the dude of west virginia thinks of this <laughs> and so that <laughs> jogged my memory and i'm like well dang it i totally dropped the ball on that last communication two years ago, so my apologies. Oh, no problem. It's always uh, expansion's a fascinating topic, and 
you know, the intricacies are legion, and you know, it's always nice to be able to talk about it in some detail, and and you know, so we can understand what's going on, or at least try to. Um, first of all, you 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 have your so your Twitter feed is locked. Uh, why? When when did you do that? And I, I don't believe it was a decade ago when you were. No, it, it's not. Um, and the reason has nothing to do with. Um, anything football related. It's the fact that I am a plaintiff in a lawsuit and it creeps me out to think of the opposing counsel lurking over my Twitter feed, looking for anything they can use against me. I don't really have anything to hide. It just creeps me out. Yeah. So you had a great, um, uh, well, luckily I have access to it. Um, I'm a follower. Uh, you, <laughs> you had a great tweet. <laughs> Two hours ago, you said the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 look at Baylor and say, "No thanks." You hired Ken Starr as president. The, <laughs> the SEC looks at Baylor and says, "No thanks. You can't be serious about football. You fired Art Browns." <laughs> that, that that's crazy. probably true, though. I mean, it's yeah. funny, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great oh man absolutely that's why it's so funny is there's some truth to it for sure <laughs> well they've really showed their, you know what happened to the gentleman's agreement between the big 12 and SEC is what I want to know oh man and what happened to uh, remember when academics were supposed to have been important <laughs> <laughs> well money money, money happened yeah, but, but you know the, the reason why the, the big 12 and the SEC had the sugar bowl tie in was that was given to the Big 12 instead of expanding and courting uh, Florida State and Clemson. Mm. That's when it ended. And, you know, they had a gentleman's agreement. Uh, the Big 12 went and tried to, uh, you know, um, expand into SEC territory, and the SEC went and tried to take any Big 12 teams. And, you know, it, it went south as soon as Texas learned that ESPN wasn't going to pick up the Longhorn Network and they had to replace that $30 million a year they were losing. And this was when? Uh, recently. Okay, so oh, well, this is just... A year ago. Yeah, okay, a year ago. Well, you know, the, the money that ESPN has lost due to COVID and due to uh, cord cutting, you know, um, the, the money they pay for Longhorn Network is just a, was a loss leader to keep the Big 12 intact. And it's ironic that it ultimately leads to the Big 12's demise. I mean, the ESPN, you know, a, a huge part of this is the, the cord cutting and that they're having to downsize. I mean, I know of, I mean, there have been high-profile defections from ESPN, some of their leading uh, talent and, and, and personalities, and it's not just because they decide to, you know, leave. I mean, they're asking, they're asking people to take $100,000 pay cuts and probably right. more uh, than that, and really big deal and now that is that leads to the recent yeah you know, yes the more the most recent bombshell of uh Bowlesby accusing ESPN of trying to dissolve the, <laughs> dissolve the yeah i think that's a um, you know CYA maneuver by Bowlesby but you know ESPN's problem started when uh, Disney purchased them you know the mouse is hungry for profits you know the ESPN has always been profitable but not profitable enough and then covid and all this it just you know, the pressure on the corporation to return money to investors, especially in, in this in that field, is great and not great for college football. 
And so basically, even though you said Bowlesby's uh, action or statements yesterday could be just CYA, it's still true that, generally true, right, that ESPN is trying to divest itself of uh, of 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 all the all these obligations, these financial obligations, and in its pursuit, I guess of of a, perhaps oh, a yeah, super conference. You're right. Each Big Twelve team for the next four years is scheduled to make forty million, at least forty million dollars a year, and ESPN is on the hook for that. And if you add all eight together, that's almost a billion dollars. It's over a billion dollars. Um, and you know, let, let's face facts. I think Tony Kornheiser said it on a show yesterday. Uh, you know, without you, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, what does the uh, Big 12 have? West Virginia for a TV draw. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, West Virginia has always been good with TV ratings, but, you know, they can't carry a conference by themselves. And it's you know, ridiculous to think that. Can uh, we – sorry to interrupt. Can we go back to I, – I, can you refresh my memory on – when you first started putting stuff out there, was it 2011 or was it? Uh... Well, it, it was when, well, it, no, it was actually 2010 uh, when Jim Clements convinced Oliver Luck to become AD at West Virginia. Clements gave um, Luck two mandates, uh, get rid of Bill Stewart and get West Virginia out of the Big East. Mm. I was, <laughs> I was, you know, and you talk about, coincidence and serendipity um you know i, I live in uh, white sulfur springs west virginia which is next to the greenbrier uh i personally witnessed you know was it um privy to the meeting or what happened but i personally witnessed um um oliver luck steve peterson and um the the, the um athletic director for virginia tech at the time uh, meet at the sporting club at the Greenbrier, um, conceivably about West Virginia and Pitt joining the ACC. And Steve Peterson was at Pitt's athletic director. Pitt. Okay. Um, you know, Pitt and West Virginia had been carrying the Big East since um, you know Virginia Tech and Miami and, and when Boston College had left. And you know, Pitt and West Virginia have great love-hate relationship, you know, the backyard brawl is a, you know, is a profitable, um, excuse me, game. And, you know, they tried to market themselves to the ACC and UNC and Duke rejected West Virginia on, um, academic standards and substituted Syracuse. <laughs> excuse me. And that led to you know, a big falling out between West Virginia and Pitt. Um, you know, Pitt was angry that West Virginia left the Big Tw- uh, left the Big East before they could leave the uh, uh, Big East uh, before they could. Um, you know, and um, Oliver Luck said something about Pitt that was true on national television. He made the comment that um, Pitt needs West Virginia. You know, they can't fill Hines otherwise. <laughs> Which is true, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Peterson took an exception to that, and the relationship was frosty until both of them left. And you know, and Gordon Gee replaced Clements. You know, um, Shane Lyons replaced um, Oliver Luck. 
you know, so everybody, everybody who is la- everybody who is around at both the ACC and West Virginia when um, Duke and North Carolina um, had who have a lot more influence at the conference then than they have now. Um, you know, blackballed West Virginia. Translation: the basketball academic high-minded blue bloods don't have nearly as much pull now as they did then oh right yeah football drives the bus pays for the driver gas and the tickets for the passengers and i really think that clemson you know clemson and florida state still you know are, are the power brokers in the acc now and if west virginia has a champion in the acc it's jim clements he is a um a diehard mountaineer um, is, and has actually, when he left West Virginia to become Clemson's president, he told the entire state that he would always look out after, look out for West Virginia. And now he has his chance. Can you, and you can share as much or as little as you want to, but I'm just trying to get an idea, give the listeners an idea of sort of not your specific connections, but how you came to be in a position to uh, be sharing, you know, highly privileged, sought-after information uh, on both the realignment uh, episode a decade ago, and then and then now. Well, yeah, I will, but I want to put this caveat out. You know, people tell you things because they have an agenda. You know, they will tell you what they want out. But they only have one side of the story. You know, early on, I made the mistake of believing everything that everybody told me. And then I discovered that you have to verify and actually research what you're told. But I was just in the right place at the right time. I had a relative who was involved in um, West, the preparation of West Virginia's materials for the ACC and SEC, who knew that I was, um, you know, semi-eloquent and passionate about WBU and wanted to correct some of the misunderstandings among the media and the other fan bases about, you know, around the country about West Virginia University. And he uh, shared some information with me and I used that information to parlay. Uh, what really did it was that if you remember when uh, Florida State's, was it, um, what's his name? I forget his name now. He is uh, the chairman of the board of trustees went off on uh, the ACC's new contract with yes. ESPN. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned the Big 12 by name. Well, I knew that West Virginia had uh, contact, or that they, the Big 12 had had contact with Florida State through um, a member of their faculty who was also, uh, I think, part of their in-house counsel, a guy named Woody Woodyard who's a WVU graduate and was really close to uh, FSU's president at the time. <coughs> so, um, you know, I, I took that information and, you know, and, and put that out a little bit, almost as a, um, a get you back to the ACC rejecting West Virginia. You know, you're, we're, we're too good for West Virginia. Well, I wanted the ACC to know that, um, you know, their big gun was unhappy. And, you know, so I got a lot of derision until FSU's board um, trustee chairman made those comments. And then, lo and behold, I had reporters far and wide contacting me, asking me what I needed to know, what, what I knew, what I would share. 
Uh, and I parlayed that, and it made a lot of mistakes. Let me tell you, I mean, you've got to be real careful about who you listen to. Um, and that's why I discovered that most journalists don't even bother to do the research. They go by their own opinion. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they look for information that only validates their opinion. Um, and parlayed that into a relationship with um, a senior executive at a company in a position to know. And we've become close friends since 2010. You see, you said you parlay. What do you mean you parlayed? How did you parlay that? Like well, what? yeah, I, I learned. You know, my, my um, undergraduate degrees in journalism. From so what, what I did from where I would go to people with part a bit of information I knew to be true, and ask them to confirm it. And people like to talk. You know, if you know, I may have known only that small piece of the puzzle, but since they like to talk, and I knew that piece, they assumed I knew more, so they would fill it back, fill in the details. <laughs> Excuse me, and it was almost all on background. I so, couldn't talk about it. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to I want to slow down here. So, as you're number one, as as you're sort of developing relationships, reaching out to people, how who, you're representing yourself as who? As Christopher Lambert, as the dude of West yeah, Virginia, freelance writer, tw- yeah. freelance writer for for who? For me, you okay. know, I, I was just yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, you know, at the time I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I've never taken a dime or never had an official relationship with anybody. I, it just fascinated me because so I wanted to know the truth. You know, I wanted to know WBU's true value in the grand scheme of things. You know, I didn't want to have a delusion. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and so you start research, you start asking the questions, and um, you make friends. And you, one of the things that I did. Early on was when West Virginia uh, took their tier three rights uh, to the open market. Um, the company that held them, you know, for decades before the West Virginia Radio Corporation sued West Virginia and IMG. Um, I was able to get, <coughs> excuse me, documents. <coughs> I'm sorry, uh, documents from um, um, the hearing that showed that for decades. Uh, WRC had um, not given West Virginia University revenues from their extended post-game show. And it cost you know, the Mountaineer program millions of dollars. <clears throat> and the reason why this happened was um, a guy in West Virginia's athletic department, I'm not going to name his name, was instrumental in the forming of the Mountaineer Sports Network and saw it as his baby. Um, and he had leaked information to West Virginia Radio Corporation about WBU's uh, you know, uh, interactions with IMG and you know, Learfield were separate at the time. <clears throat> and you know, I, I did what I thought was right. You know, I didn't think it was correct that West Virginia Radio Corporation would uh, try to deny the Mountaineers millions in revenue who never tried to market the Mountaineers outside of the state of West Virginia, even though West Virginia – as one of the most recognizable brands in, in sports. Uh, and that won me with more than a few friends at certain places. And you know, they began feeding me court documents and information. And it gets even weirder after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'll cover this real quickly because it's, it's still hotly debated in West Virginia. It seems like the West Virginia administration at the time, President uh, Garrison, 
longtime athletic director Ed passed along associate AD Mike Parsons, who was heavily involved with MSN, basically forced Rich Rodriguez to go to Michigan because they refused to give Rich, <coughs> sorry, what he thought he needed to win a national championship at WU. <coughs> oh, sorry, and that was outsourced MSN to make more money. <clears throat> um, I've talked to people on the plane. I'm sorry. <coughs> um, uh, in case you're wondering, um, I probably shouldn't say this, but I am <coughs> lawsuit that I'm involved in um, is related to my injury at work. I basically destroyed my lungs. Oh, no. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I went from an elite cyclist to a feeble old man in 24 hours. Oh, no. <clears throat> yes, that's where the coffin is. <clears throat> so I, I've spoken to people who were on the plane with Rich going to Michigan um, where he was crying. And he actually tried to go back. A man who's on the West Virginia's board of governors now, <clears throat> David Alvarez, a big booster, arranged a meeting after Rich had accepted the position at Michigan uh, that Rich wanted to uh, end with him returning to West Virginia, where the president, Garrison, just lit into him. <clears throat> and it was all because of Mountaineer Sports Network. That, you know, people in-house valued their ownership, their perceived ownership of MSN, more than they valued the success of the program. And a coach of Rodriguez's caliber isn't going to stay at a place where he's hamstrung. And what did he feel like he needed to, to win a championship? Facilities? Yeah, at, at the, uh, yeah, the facilities of West Virginia were lacking. Um, you know, the Mountaineer Field was, you know, newish, but, you know, the facilities were starting to drag behind. UConn had better facilities uh, in West Virginia at that point. The same facilities that kept West Virginia out of the SEC. And, you know, West Virginia's, the most they ever made in the Big East was $9 million a year. And that was the year they they won BCS balls. Wow! Basketball schools who didn't play um, football got an equal cut of conference shares. Um, so the only way the Mountaineer program could raise enough money <clears throat> for facilities at the time, given that they were making seven to nine million a year from the Big East, was to outsource MSN. Um, and I think they ended up getting, you know, between four and seven million dollars a year for those rights. And uh, to West Virginia's credit, they have used Big, e, uh, Big Twelve money and um, money from IMG to completely renovate facilities and correct every issue the SEC told them they had. Um, so they're ready. You know, they have. I'd say their <clears throat> facilities are probably. <clears throat> right now are in the um, top four or five in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's, um, it's a little, uh, there's a lot of drama around the Mountaineer program. There's also a lot of passion. Yeah. I tell, I, people, uh, <clears throat> I tell people all the time, there's not a program in the country that's more important to its state and its people. In the Mountaineers, 
So my uh, stepfather is a West Virginia grad. He's from Parkersburg. And I remember as a in high school, I went to several games up there. Oh, yeah. Um, during the last realignment, you know, when, when it was when the ACC was looking for schools, I'm like, you, you got to get West Virginia just because of the, the natural rivalries uh, and the existing rivalries, Virginia Tech, Pitt, you mentioned yeah, Clemson is a natural rival. Um, yeah, they are. I, I can generate, I, I know Sorry. that as just as a, as an observer of college football, I can get a lot more excited about going to Morgantown to watch Clemson and, 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 and West Virginia than I can about going to Pittsburgh or Syracuse and, 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 and the, Wake or Duke. the same applies uh, exponentially to, to fans and their interest and, and oh, yeah. uh, sort of the magnetism. And you know, don't get me wrong. I love the big 12. It's full of nice people, but West Virginia, although it was a cultural fit for the big 12, our fans never really embraced it. <clears throat> you know, there was, you know, maybe we get up for Oklahoma, but even Texas was meh. You know, we just don't have the history. Um, you know, there's a clip out on YouTube when um, TCU was at West Virginia and game day was in Morgantown. <coughs> of the fans during commercial break serenading, serenading the game day um, crowd was their Mountaineer version of Sweet Caroline. Um, you know, that changes the pit refrain you know pit used to add you know sweet caroline let's go pit well west virginia's version is different mm-hmm. and it cracked up the commentators you know and you could see <clears throat> the passion is still there and I, th- I think the passion still exists from pit towards west virginia too and from virginia tech towards west virginia and we will never for- uh, forgive syracuse for that game when their quarterback threw a football at our uh, defensive back in West Virginia's entire backfield was ejected. <laughs> you know, it's like, <clears throat> there's a long history. And, you know, that what, that's what makes college football great is West Virginia has rivalries with just about every, um, you know, Big East program that's now residing in the ACC. What, uh, financially, uh, in hindsight, <clears throat> What has the arrangement with the Big 12 been like? Has it been, I mean, you knew it was going to be more expensive, of course, for travel and all that, but has that materialized or has it been more expensive than Envision? It, it, it has. <clears throat> um, you know, um, basketball and football charter flights, uh, you know, the non-revenue sports take buses or commercial flights. It, it's cost West Virginia between two and three, sometimes up to $4 million dollars an extra in year and just travel costs. And this is the wear and tear too is, um, you know, it's, it's hard to go from Morgantown out to play in at Texas tech. You know, it, you know, that's just a long, you know, you maybe make one or two of those trips a year, but it's a wear and tear, especially on the basketball team. <clears throat> the money has been great. Uh, West Virginia has, you know, earned, you know, if you add in IMG and Big Twelve, it's it's been between thirty and forty million every year just from that revenue. And you add on to that, you know, the Mountaineers have always been a profitable program, you know, self-supporting, uh, average ninety-eight percent capacity. 
no matter what, it seems. Um, and of that 98%, I think it's 87% is paid. And it goes up to 90 if you consider uh, the tickets given to the uh, visiting team and the band. Uh, so it, it's a way of life here. And, I, you know, I, I just can't – when I hear ACC people talk about West Virginia doesn't add anything to the conference, that's not true. It does. The revenue model is changing. Television sets are losing importance. And fan loyalty and the ability to convert fans' to dollars is becoming more and more important. Because there's also that passion and that grit. You know, Mountaineers are a little program that could. There is no explanation how they're the 15th winningest program in college football history. How they played for a national championship or won, you know, three BCS games or, you know, have a winning record against the SEC and the ACC who are pretty much one of the only few Power 5 teams who play 10 Power 5 football games a year. Um you know, the program should be admired, you know, not put down. It's the heart of what makes college football great is, you know, the underdog. And Mountaineers are always the underdog. And they always manage to get more out of their players than they should. Unless you're Dana Hogerson, you got less out of your players than you should. Uh, what, uh, you know, so can you refresh my memory, my my recollection from the decade ago, realignment rumors and all that, what I was sort of, the feeling that I got was that the Big 12 wanted like a block, no, an, an Eastern, ideally like an Eastern block. So, you, I mean, so you just mentioned it's been so hard on West Virginia traveling to Lubbock and all those far-flung places, but ideally if you get Clemson and Florida State and Georgia Tech to come along, then it's not nearly as much of a logistical and financial and uh, physical grind of all that travel. And did you were you here? Was that was that the sort of the um, what they were looking for by your recollections as well? Like having uh, sort of a group of teams join instead of just. Um, West Virginia going alone? I think what happened was, is you know, they, they had a, a second chance at life um, after Texas and Oklahoma agreed to sign the grant of rights. And they, they heard Bob Bowlesby, and he wanted to make the conference secure so it wouldn't go through what it's going through now. And lo and behold, you had two programs in the ACC who were upset. And I, I probably don't have to tell you um, – Sometimes ACC clubs like Clemson and Florida State don't have exactly the most attractive home schedule. Yeah. Um, and they had a chance to add Florida State and Clemson. And they went to ESPN, much like ES, you know, AAC went to ESPN or you know, the Big 12 went to ESPN when they were thinking about expanding again. And ESPN told them that <clears> – <throat> You're already making, you have 10 members, we're already paying you for 12. You're getting a premium. If you add anybody, if you add Florida State and Clemson, good for you, but we're not giving you any more money. And Texas and Oklahoma said, it's not worth the bother. Why make it more, our conference more competitive, make it harder for us if uh, we're not getting any more money? And that's when. 
um, the Sugar Bowl deal came about. Because, you know, the SEC didn't want the Big 12 to expand into South Carolina or, you know, Florida, because those are SEC markets. Um, and they gave the Big 12 um, you know, additional money for the Sugar Bowl. You know, an additional, it's a big deal, a scheduling agreement with the SEC and the Sugar Bowl. And it was enough money to keep the Big 12 from attempting to expand. Did you, uh, was it your impression at the time that Clemson and Florida State were ready to go? Because that was not my. Well, uh, I, I talked to Jim Lamar at the you know, Tallahassee Democrat. You know, Tallahassee Democrat sent him, sent him to cover the Big 12 meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, if you remember what the ACC ended up doing, is they ended up giving Florida State more money out of the conference reserve. Mm-hmm. To keep them happy, uh, and you know this this came about because you know Swafford had promised the ACC that adding Pitt and Syracuse would add a lot of money. It didn't. It added <laughs> what two million dollars a year, and, but it extended the contract, and most of the payment was backloaded, which means that um, it was devalued because of inflation. And the you know, FSU threw a fit. So whether FSU might have been using the Big 12 as leverage and the Big 12, you know, I get the impression the Big 12 would have invited Clemson and Florida State if ESPN had said, sure, we'll increase the money on your contract. But then the SEC came along with the offer, and it was just, you know, why add, you know, FSU, which was a top-notch program, and you know Clemson, which was a sleeping giant at the time, uh, when you can get your money and still have complete control and a clear pass through your conference to avoid what we have right now. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and you know, at the time you had Bill Powers, who was in charge of Texas. I hope that's his name, and uh, um, born at Oklahoma. And they, you think those guys trusted each other? They hated each other. Mm. Whatever Clemson, what, you know, whatever Texas wanted, OU was against. Uh, if you remember the last time the Big 12 thought about expanding, Texas came out and said, oh, we support Houston in the Big 12. It shocked me. Well, I talked to somebody who was really close to the program, and he laughed. He said, well, he said, it's easy for Texas to go on record for his endorsing Houston when they know Oklahoma's going to say no. You know, it's really easy to endorse something you know is never going to happen. Right. And, you know, that's the way it went. You know, I mean, whatever. I thought the conference was safe because, you know, um, Boren retired at Oklahoma. Powers retired at um, Texas. The Lost Dodds left. You know, those were the, the people who generated instability. What I didn't anticipate was COVID and the playoff expansion. You know, when that happened, um, and you know, ESPN's intention to ditch Longhorn Network, uh, it was suddenly the advantage of being in the Big 12 for Oklahoma and Texas had disappeared. You know, they can make it, they think they can make it in the uh, um, playoffs in the SEC. I, I have a prediction though. In 10 years, you, you can bookmark this and put me on the record. In 10 years, the Texas football program will be to the SEC what 
the Kansas football program is currently to the Big 12. <laughs> a black hole. Dude, they're 54 and 48 in the Big 12 over the last 11 years. It's unbelievable how highly they think of themselves. Yeah, I've been to a road game at, at Texas, and they are dead. I mean, the fans just the most, the most animated I've ever. You know, my personal experience with the Texas home field was that year that Will Greer, you know, and, and Dick went down there and beat Texas, and after wide receiver, him help me, I forget his name, flipped them to bird as he calls it <laughs> touchdown in the inside. <laughs> that. Yeah, they were animated then, but you know they're just like they're too cool for football. Yeah, I just I, I mean I'm I was reading some of their uh, media coverage. Uh, it's the rival site, their sister site of ours, Orange Blood. So I guess I you know I can't I gotta can't criticize them too much, but I'm just I was just sort of like my I was amazed at how. And how they are carrying themselves as if they're still this monster that you know that that can that can sit there and laugh at the prospect of the Big Twelve crumbling. I mean, what have they done in the in a decade? Nothing. Well, you know, the, the history shows that for the most part, the, these programs have become cultural outliers, and I think Texas is a cultural outlier in the SEC because those people aren't crazy like they are in the SEC. Um, you know, they don't fare that well. Because, you know, the passion is gone. I mean, the passion is what, you know, West Virginia has been meh in the Big 12. And I think that's because, mostly because of Dana Holgerson was a meh coach. He was always, you know, there are issues with there. But, you know, the, the Big East was tougher, more passionate. I mean, you know, I give Pitt a lot of problems because I'm required to by state law. And I'm also required to state law to point out that the only thing that Pitt football has accomplished in the last 50 years is to keep West Virginia out of the national championship game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those games, no matter how bad or good West Virginia and Pitt was, they were hard fought. You know, those kids gave everything they had. And, you know, I don't see that. I've never seen that out of Texas. To be honest, I don't want to get in trouble for saying this. I've never really seen it out of, you know, any Texas school except maybe TCU once. I mean, Baylor came into West Virginia, ranked number four, you know, talking smack, and the Mountaineers just whacked them all game long. They just weren't tough enough. And, you know, Even when they were had Vince Young or winning the national championship, they still seemed kind of finesse. Yeah, they are. They're, they're, you know, they're, it's, I guess each conference has its brand of football. Um, you know, the Big Big 12's brand was changing. But, you know, there's regional rivalries are what makes football great. You know, when Nebraska left the Big 12, uh, you know, it lost something. You know, when Colorado left the Big 12, it lost something it couldn't replace. West Virginia and Texas Tech are never going to have a, as heated rivalry as you know West Virginia has with Pitt or Virginia Tech or Syracuse or Boston College or Louisville, Miami, Miami. Yeah, I mean Miami. Some of those games were great, and I have to point something out. Um, another Clemson writer was said, "Well, you know, 
when West Virginia wins a, a, a wins a power wins the conference title, the Power Five conference, then we can talk. West Virginia won the Big East in 1993, undefeated. They beat number four Miami, Boston College, Syracuse, Pitt, Maryland, and Virginia Tech. Yeah, so yeah. I, I mean, I you know, it's not about. I just think that's kind of immaterial, like conference, a conference title. Yeah, you know, like, it, like, like, like if 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 the ACC in a dream world, if Notre Dame would actually be interested in leaving its independence, and you could get Notre Dame in West Virginia, I think the ACC would sign up, could, would and should sign up for that all day and be fine. I think that's a foregone conclusion. If Notre Dame is 15, West Virginia is an automatic 16. Well, but the you, the foregone conclusion, Notre Dame coming full time. If, if they would, if they right. would come, right. it would be Notre Dame 15, West Virginia 16. Right. The, the, the question that people have a hard time overcoming is why does the ACC need West Virginia at 15? And I, I think there are problems. ACC has problems that West Virginia can can help mitigate uh, attendance and TV ratings. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. Um, and one more thing on Texas, <laughs> Pete Thamel. I don't know if you read if, if you read him of Yahoo Sports, yeah, but he had a yeah, column earlier good. this week. He had a a passage from from his column. Uh, it's it says as, as follows: Texas is now going to be a member of the rank and file in the SEC, which surely would make the Texas of DeLoss Dodds, Bill Powers, and Mac Brown break out in hives thinking about it. Texas stuck up <laughs> Texas stuck up its nose at the SEC's culture and its non Vanderbilt academics, and now it's slinking slinking there under a cloud of mediocrity looking for an identity texas is the yeah, mu- right. texas is the muscle car that did donuts endlessly in the gas station parking lot and suddenly it needs to ask the business next door for a jump <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah you, you know you know what i wonder is that let's be honest ut and oklahoma have had home cooking in the big 12 what are the, how are they going to react when they don't have home cooking anymore yeah. Now, now, granted, um, you know, you, not long ago, a lot of people, including honestly me, um, were saying that A and M and Missouri were in for a rough road when they got into the SEC. And lo and behold, Missouri went to two SEC title games, I think, in three years. And A and M Big Twelve recruited players. True. True. And the, same way Boston College had early success and in the ACC. Very true. Players are recruited from the Big East. Very true, um, but I just think culturally, I think Oklahoma could could at their current sort of state and stature with Lincoln Riley could um, could certainly survive and thrive in the, in the SEC. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma is a better fit for the SEC than Texas uh, because Oklahoma doesn't depend on, entirely on Texas kids. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there's this theory that you know Texas recruits gets anybody they want to stay in Texas, all these five stars. But the football is so important in Texas that those kids in high school they've reached their maximum talent level in high school, and so when they get to college, there's no room for them to improve what other people do. So it's it's hard to uh, actually appraise who they are, you know, as, as a player. That's the only legitimate way you can explain how Texas gets to recruiting years, year after year after year. And underperforms. 
If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Want to share a quick word about about Founders Federal Credit Union. If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. You know, after after we spent the last five minutes bashing Texas, um, I am of the belief, and we've actually written this, um, that the ACC recently, meaning the last couple of weeks, tried to reach out to Texas to convince them to come to the SEC instead. I'm sorry, the ACC instead. I think they did that every two years. I, I don't think I could ever see... Texas playing at Duke or Wake. Right. But the the thing the 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 to me the um item with the biggest gravity is not that the ACC did what it should do, you know, and did did its due diligence in the last few weeks and tried to reach out to Texas in a conversation that didn't last long according to what we we're told, but that the ACC didn't set try to set those wheels in motion a year or two ago. Um, I I think they, from what I understand, you know, it, it's been like a a standing appointment every two years for the ACC to check in with Texas, which I think is true. But you know, Texas prints money, so you know the Big Ten was also interested in Texas. You know, it's you know, it it never hurts to talk. You know, all somebody can do is tell you no. Yeah, as it was told to me though. The window of opportunity was perhaps a year ago or so, and yeah, that at that time was, yeah. Swafford's on his way out, and so you're t- you're really busy just looking for a, his replacement. And then once Phillips gets in here, you know he's trying to trying to feel his way around and get a lay of the land. So he's not being Mister Aggressor and thinking bold right off the bat. And so lo and, and then meanwhile the SEC is going in and w- once once. Uh, once the once ESPN told the Big Twelve in May that it wasn't interested in renegotiating, that's when obviously the SEC pounced. But I just think while Swafford was certainly audacious uh, two decades ago in going after Miami and Virginia Tech and, and Boston College, um, it seems like more a bit more uh, reactionary 
in, in recent years. And, and that might be what the ACC looks back on as, as being a critical, the critical failure in this, in this ever, ever changing. Yeah, I think one thing's for certain is as soon as feasible, the SEC is going to knock on Clemson's door. You think so? Oh yeah. I mean, what people don't understand about Florida state is that despite all the money that they have, they have money problems. They have attendance Mm -hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you know, they've only been co-ed since what, 1950 or something. They're, so their donor base isn't that great. Well, they've only um, they've only been good at football uh, in the last 40, 40 years, forty plus yeah. years. So that they don't have that generational support. Yeah, I, and they have they have real problems. I remember um, oh, again, I forget his name. Yeah, you know, what what started you know the the ACC's troubles in Florida State uh, is when. Um, uh, the guy here was, uh, he's a, uh, his last name is Smith. Um, he was a big booster at FSU, and he was the, the, the board chairman um, or the trustees chairman. And he gave a speech uh, about where Florida State sits at the crossroads, and it has to decide who it wants to be. Does it want to be a football program? Does it want to win championships? Or is it okay with mediocrity? Um, and, you know, he was the guy who engineered Jimbo Smith replacing Bobby Bowden. Um, Fisher. You know, the guy pull, yeah. Um, the guy pulling the strings behind the Big 12's uh, flirtation with FSU. And it was all about Florida State and some extent Clemson are surrounded by SEC programs. You know, they need SEC-like money to stay competitive. Because what happens if the SEC says – through the NCAA, we're not going to abide by scholarship limits. We're going to give, we're going to sign 40 football scholarships a year. And we're going to get them um, name, image, and likeness contracts. It, it's possible. You know, the NCAA has been neutered. The SEC has all the power and all the money. And you know, the SEC better not sit back on its haunches and, and chuckle at the Big 12 because the next valuable programs that are available are ACC schools. Well, when you say available, you don't think the grant of rights is a major, major obstacle, the grant of rights until 2036? It's never been challenged. I thought it, I thought it was. It's never been challenged, but UT and OU are going to challenge it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the and big... Yeah, I mean, you can argue like West Virginia. West Virginia will leave the Big Twelve in New York minute. And rents be damned. The ACC invites them to fight that in court because they will argue they had to act um, because the you know UT and OU were leaving. Yeah, the the composition of the conference changed materially. Yeah, yeah, the you know the you know the implied promise. You know, the, the product is different than what they were promised. And they have a good basis of that because it is. Hey, Chris, you're breaking up. You're, you're breaking up some over the last like okay. minute or two. Well, I'll repeat what I said. That's okay. Um, I, I think WVU has a good chance of getting out of the grant of rights because Oklahoma's president wrote the bylaws specifically to last 99 years. So there was an implied promise. You know, and it was, again, UT and OU that were behind this telling all the other Big 12 members that they were, they were loyal. And, 
as recently as six months ago, um, and now they're leaving the conference. So, yeah, that's that's totally conceivable because of the changing composition of the conference and the fact that the contract only lasts till twenty five. It's not there's not that much longer, but. Clemson's case or any ACC team's school's case on leaving and the the the, the challenge to the grant of rights is much more complicated. Like it's almost well, apples and oranges. So we, we think. Right. We, we don't know the details of the ACC contract. Right. Is it backloaded again? Or you know, are they are there more costs associated with the um, ACC network than originally expected? Mm-hmm. You know the re- you know the the revenue model is changing, so you know you got to be willing to fight it out. I mean, it, it was you know when when Maryland sued the ACC, we learned a lot about the ACC's contract with ESPN, and it was brutal. Yeah, it did have the back and backloaded payments. I think in the original contract that the ACC signed when they added Pitt and Syracuse, they were receiving less money than the previous contract, but the total value of the contract was more. Mm. And that was just insane. I mean, I was like, but you know, the ACC might come off better. Um, they have a long-term contract that guarantees them revenues, even if it is backloaded, even more so. If the revenue model does change and cable TV becomes less and less a driving force, you know, the other conferences, except the ACC, are going to see their TV revenues drop when the ACC is locked in. But then again, you know, if, if the SEC decides to break away from the NCAA and they decide to go to 20 or 24, what do you do? You know, it's the most valuable property in sports is a, a live SEC football game. Do you think we could see the same thing <laughs> where, uh, where ESPN does to the ACC what it's doing to the Big 12? I, I don't think so. Um, you know, One, they're locked into a, a long-term deal with the ACC. And second, the Big 12 made a lot of enemies with ESPN and Fox with expansion before. Um, you know, they tried to use that prorata in their contract you know, to add – and you know, how funny is it now that the Big 12 traded that for a championship game? I mean, they could add, if they hadn't done that, they could add six from the ACC, collect that money for the next four years, pay those AAC clubs half of the conference revenues because you need to schedule them in. They'd still make more than they made in the ACC and just rake ESPN over the coals. But now they can't. So one possible scenario is the SEC just basically breaking away and creating a 32-team super conference. Does that make you nervous as a West Virginia Oh, yeah, supporter? certainly it does. You know, you know, West Virginia is historically a top 15 program, even top 25 program. You know, one of the, he said, the little program that could, you know, their success is inconceivable. But the program will never be able to match the money of, you know, somebody like Michigan or Clemson or North Carolina 
Um, well, you know, again, though, if, if global warming happens and the East Coast is washed away, all those people have to move somewhere, and West Virginia has a lot of room, so who knows? But, you know, I, I was always trepidatious to see West Virginia in the SEC because they can't compete. Um, you know, they just don't have the money to, to compete for championships. West Virginia in the ACC immediately becomes a you know a, an annual favorite to lose to Clemson in the championship game. Yep. Yeah, I mean, immediately. Um, you know, I, I hope it stops. But you know, the, the SEC is. You know, again, it's it's who's going to who's going to be interested in the playoffs has eight SEC teams, right? It just seems like the perfect storm, though. Of ESPN has has been hemorrhaging revenues. Um, uh, the SEC is tired of this NCAA crap. And they just got through a COVID year. They want to sort of secure their future uh, financial bonanzas. Uh, NIL, all that stuff. It seems like a perfect storm of of rapid seismic change. Even though we have no idea what it's going to be. Yeah, it. I. You can't predict what's going to happen now. Aside that, the SEC is going to make money, and he's going to save it. Well, let me ask you: if if you had if you could had a magic wand and can wave it and put Clemson in the SEC right now, would you? Um, you know, yeah, I think it'd be the I think that'd be the the smart play uh, because you're trying to look out for your long term stability and 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 uh, ability to continue flourishing. Uh, I know this, and we've and we've written this um, at the last during the last round of realignment. They never got a call from the. They never received interest from the SEC. Um, and at the time, the, the board, the board of trustees, I don't think there would have been a majority that would have said, "Yeah, we need to go to the SEC." I, I tend to believe now, in the in the midst of, of of the lack of revenues from the ACC, the massive gap that's that that exists at present and threatens to get exponentially wider that my guess is you would have a majority of them who would who would who would vote to leave you said it's fantastical that the sec didn't look at clemson before last time well maybe maybe i'm maybe i'm uh gullible in 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 uh putting too much stock into you know what they say. Well, we never received interest. You know, we never well, received it, a call. Maybe, maybe and it, it probably does go deeper than that. Well, you, you know, it, 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 it's hard for me to believe that West Virginia nearly beat Missouri out last time, and that the SEC didn't think about Clemson. Well, I think last time, and, and tell me if this makes sense. Last time, it was it was predicated so much on markets. Yeah, it and, was. It was all in markets, and, and and they already had uh, the 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 notion of 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 only yeah. having one team in a state. You know, they already had South Carolina. Um, yeah, and they didn't want to yeah. tick off South Carolina, and they already had that market. 
And, and, and also, Clemson was not what <laughs> was not even a hint of what it is now. And there was, there was nobody out there. I mean, you said they were, they were a sleeping giant, and they were, but nobody out there thought, ooh, this, this programmer, no, uh, you know, as of 2011, 70 to 33, nobody was sitting there thinking, ooh, this team could, this team could be a, 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 a multiple national championship program. It just seemed, it, it, it that seemed fantastical. <laughs> So it never did to me. I mean, you could always see that Clemson had the hallmarks. It took football seriously in the ACC at the time when only a handful of schools did. True. It just seemed like the revenue gaps, you know, you talk about, you know, that was a story then was the SEC. I think they had won like seven straight national titles and they had, 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 I think they, their big deal came in 2010 whatever it was, their TV deal. And, and it was a real concern among Clemson folks that, and they were losing to South Carolina five years in a row from 2009 to 2013. And so at the time, the average Clemson fan is terrified of being left behind financially of South Carolina running laps around them in football because of largely because of their massive advantage in, in, in financial stuff. Um, so at the time they were just trying to sort of stay afloat in terms of being in the picture and, and, and having a seat at the table. Uh, and so fast forward to now, I think they're much more attractive to the SEC because now it's not nearly as much about markets. Now it's about branding and inventory. And of course their brand is as bulletproof as it gets. And you hired the right coach, you know, that's Absolutely. always, uh, you know, um, Dana Holgerson couldn't recruit to save his life. Uh, you know, he blamed West Virginia. Neil Brown hasn't had any any uh, trouble recruiting West Virginia. But it, you know, it you know it's all about recruiting facilities. And I read a study a few years back that said uh, looked at why recruits choose institutions. And it doesn't really have much to do with their history. It's their personal relationship with the coaches and facilities. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have a coach who's honest with the kids, the kids like genuinely cares about them, you know, who they believe it's going to be easier to recruit. You know, and if you have to fill back it up, and you know, Clemson added both of those, it was a no-brainer. Uh, and Jim Clements really cares about football. Oh yes. Too. Yeah, I, I bet you didn't know that that he's still a Mountaineer fan. He comes to Mountaineer games whenever he can. Yeah, I mean, he has five of his family are, yeah. are WVU grads. Yeah, he, he exactly. really thinks a lot of Bob Huggins. He hired him, or well, they, the administration hired Huggins, right? When he was yeah, Clements yeah. was there. Um, I want to make a point about West Virginia's academics for for a moment. You know, a lot of people don't understand. West Virginia is required by state law to accept every state resident with a certain grade point average. Um, Regard, you know, regardless, and West Virginia is a poor state. A lot of those kids come to West Virginia University. They're not prepared for college, and they leave. Um, and that harms West Virginia's graduation rate, which seriously suppresses their academic rating. West Virginia doesn't have a feeder system like North Carolina. Uh, you know, you know where those kids go to uh, basically community college for two years and learn how to learn. You know, they're just thrown to the wolves, and Morgantown's a, a you know place that the wolves win a lot of times. 
Um, WVU's a tier one research institution. Um, one of the few land grant institutions to get that staff, uh, status. They have a top notch medical school, top notch law school. Uh, and they make a difference in the state of West Virginia. They fulfill their mission. And my issue with the ACC back then, and the same when now when people bring up that argument, is uh, Western University is the financial growth engine for West Virginia. It is the method for people to change their lives and get out of poverty. I was one of them. I grew up in abject poverty, three-room house, etc., Rather than be an academic snob, use your prowess and help elevate WBU and help make people's lives better. Because I think that might have something to do with the mission of higher, you know, institutions of higher learning. And along the way, understand that adding West Virginia to the ACC improves your football product. And, you know, it's... It's a no-brainer to me. You know, it would be – it should have been done yesterday. Do you think that – I've always been on the impression that when they – after Maryland left and they grabbed Louisville, that that was basically an acknowledgement of, yeah, we screwed up by not going after West Virginia. Yeah, they reached out to West Virginia before they went to Maryland, and it was too late. Right. Right. Here's the sign of rights. Yep. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, things have changed. You know, like you said, you know, Jim Clements is at Clemson. He, he was almost commissioner. He is the, I think he's the liaison between the ACC and ESPN. Um, West Virginia just appointed Bray Carey to hit, to the sport governors. Bray was instrumental in the growth of ESPN from, you know, 1994 to 1998. He helped make it what it is today. Uh, so he's a lot of contacts. We know that ESPN wants to get uh, dissolved the Big 12. Uh, and the first, the linchpin to that, I think, is getting rid of West Virginia. So, you know, it, you know Mountaineer fans and entire people of West Virginia, we're a pragmatic bunch. We expect to be screwed. <laughs> even, even knowing what I know, it wouldn't surprise me in Iota, if tomorrow the ACC announced they were adding Kansas because their football program was so great, um, you know, in some G5 program. You mean because their it's, basketball program so great? No, you know, insult West Virginia, they'd say oh, they had, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> added Kansas because their football program. Because <laughs> they have such a well-run football uh, program. Yeah, they do. They can't even cheat. So. <laughs> Uh, if you go to a football game in, in Kansas, it was pathetic. Oh, man. It's hard to play there because it's like practice is more energetic. Yeah. Uh, wait, hey, uh, it, it, have you been to Wake Forest? Have you been to Duke? Have you been to Virginia uh, when they're not any good? Uh, Syracuse. Yeah, I, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. Syracuse is. It's, uh, it's just the feel. West Virginia in the ACC, I mean, we need to just stop talking about the academic stuff and all that. It, it, at, at a certain, after a certain point, the essence of something should be, should, 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 
should have the most influence. Like as far as what does it feel like to have West Virginia come into your stadium compared to Syracuse or Pitt? What does it feel like to go to Morgantown and watch your team, whether it be Virginia Tech, Clemson, uh, NC State, play against West Virginia? I mean, there are so many many trips in the ACC that I don't make anymore just because it's freaking boring. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, when you come to Morgantown for the first time, I just got one piece of advice for you. Just because it's clear and cold doesn't mean it's water. And if you (laughs) take the first drink, it might be too late. (laughs) So you said, uh, what do you do for a living, by the way? I work for Holy Family University. I am their web manager. Okay. And you said that um, you, you early on you made your share of mistakes because you just assumed that the information that was being fed to you uh, was accurate and that there, there weren't like access to grind and, and things like that. What was the what was your biggest mistake that you made? Oh, Lord. The biggest mistake that I made was um, continuing to beat the FSU drum after um, a source told me it was over because ESPN wouldn't have money in the contract. Mm. I just couldn't accept that. I didn't understand the role. Cognitively, I could not understand why the Big 12 would not add Florida State and Clemson, even though um, it may not add money. I mean, if it stayed the same, you still add them and it strengthens your conference. Not so. You know, it, 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 and I, I enjoy college football less because I understand how much of a business it is yeah. now. You've seen how the sausage is made. Yeah, and it, you know they, it is brutal. It really is. It, it, it's just like the money at stake is incredible. Um, you know, and, and nothing else matters. It's just you know they sacrifice all these rivalries, and it, it's it is the beginning of the end. You know, football is losing its popularity in every place but rural America. Mm. Um, so you know it's. It was what you know, I don't know. It just makes me. It was so much fun hating Pitt and Virginia Tech. <laughs> you know, I, I you know I didn't realize how much I appreciated them until they were gone. Then again, just devil, <sighs> devil's advocate. You know, I can remember when it was an earth-shattering development for A and M to go to the SEC and Missouri to go to the SEC, and it felt like, man, I just don't know if I'm going to enjoy it as much. Well, here we are, and I, 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 I'm as gravitated to it as I've always been. It's still a tremendously entertaining endeavor, and if there is this big super conference, uh, it'll be kind of soulless, I guess. But it'll still, it'll still be a hell of an entertaining product, won't it? The NFL is profitable. Say that again. The NFL is profitable and entertaining, yeah. but it doesn't have a soul. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. it's. You know, the players are free agents. It's just, I just remember what it was like, you know, for, for, to to beat Pitt for the first time in a decade or to beat Penn State or to shut down, you know, a a top ranked Virginia Tech in night game in Morgantown or for um, Georgia defensive back Greg Blue talking about West Virginia isn't fast and then Steve (laughs) Slayton running by him in the Sugar Bowl. Oh, man. Yeah, that was crazy. You know, and, and even even things that hurt, like thirteen nine, you know, Pat White injuring his hand and Rich Rod refusing to throw against the cover zero. 
I had to leave the country after that for two weeks. I went to Ireland. You you literally chose to go to Ireland as a result of that. Yep, to face, you know, <laughs> rather than face the loss, you know. And, and you know, the ironic part was is everywhere I went, people would ask me where I was from, and I'd say <laughs> oh, West Virginia. And you know what they would do? They'd start singing country roads. Oh wow! And it was like. I thought I, just, I thought I you were going to say they were going to mention the the, the pit game. <laughs> well, it was worse because you know we seen country roads when we win. Yeah, didn't see it that night, and it was pit. I remember you know my wife. I told her I mean, we left the next day for Ireland. I you like, you yeah, literally yeah. you literally when you got home yeah, after the game yeah. you literally got on Expedia and bought tickets to Ireland. Book the pl- book the flight on the <laughs> way back. <laughs> I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to hear, you know, because, you know, West Virginians, if West Virginia loses, it's a bad week. We still hurt by 13, you know, 13 yeah. We still can't get over it. We, we were the best team in college football that year, and we let a 35-point underdog beat us at home, and it had to be pit. I said, anybody but pit. I can accept this if it were anybody but pit. Unbelievable, and it was you know what are the odds of that you know that you've been so dominant all year long you know and then and then turn around and beat the crap out of Oklahoma. What year was this? It was um what year two thousand seven seven two thousand six two thousand seven I think. What uh? Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, you know, Rich ended up leaving because of that loss, or you know, because of the Mountaineer Sports Network thing, and it devastated. I mean, it was bad. And well, there are a few things about the Mountaineer program that you know, Clemson people may not know about how passionate Mountaineer fans are. Bill Stewart, who took over for Rich Rodriguez, was replaced by Dana Holgerson. Wasn't so long after that that Bill Stewart, who was a great man, great father. Um, died of a heart attack. His family believes to this day he died of a broken heart because he lost that job. Wow. Uh, miners at the Sago mine disaster, um, it happened the night West Virginia was playing Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. They all died, but one thing. In their notes to their family, their last dying breath they wrote about West Virginia, and they regretted not knowing the outcome of the game. Wow. That's how important West Virginia mm. is uh, uh, to the people of West Virginia. If you pass on West Virginia, you're passing on all that passion. It, 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 how could you call yourself a college football fan and not want the Mountaineers in your conference? Go back and look at Owen Schmidt's speech after the Sugar Bowl. Uh, after the Fiesta Bowl, you know, they had uh, Pat White, Auburn wanted to play defensive back. And Steve Slayton, Maryland, revoked a scholarship. And Owen Schmidt, nobody would give a scholarship. Owen gave that speech about how he loves West Virginia, that West Virginia gave him a chance. And it was, it, it was the epitome of the relationship between the state and its team, 
you know, when you play for West Virginia University, you're a god. You uh, represent each and every one of us. And you have 1.8 million people at your back. Because there's nothing else. Why you wouldn't want a program who's accomplished what West Virginia University has, that passion, who always plays above its talent level, who always plays the right way, who runs a clean program, there's something wrong with you. Speaking of Rodriguez, can you, I'm just sort of comparing notes, but the account that I uh, have, have, have believed with his, uh, him in Alabama. This was in, this is after the, <clears throat> after the 06 season as well, I believe. And they, they were really far down the tracks. He, he had accepted the job, but he said, I want to go back to Morgantown and tell my team before it gets out. And if it gets out before then I'm out and it got out before then. And he pulled out. Is that what your understanding as well? I understand that, that Rich had problems with Passalong and Parsons for a couple of years before that. Mm-hmm. And he was of the belief that that administration, he called them the administration of no, would not give him the tools he needed to win. His preference was to stay at West Virginia. He did go a long way down the road with Alabama. It did. They made promises to him that they didn't live up to. And based on those promises, he backed out. Mm-hmm. And he called into the statewide, statewide sports line that night and let Greg Hunter, who covers Mountain Air football, have it. What and do you mean? For what? For reporting that he was leaving for Alabama. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was... Um, how do you say he was hot I'd never heard Rich was hot all the time but very rarely in public and he lit in the Greg Hunter that night is there still a recording uh, that has survived of that there there might be you know um, check on go to westvirginiametronews.com and you know I'm not sure if they keep them this far back but I'm sure somebody you google it somebody will have it you know, and Rich loved WBU. He just wanted he wanted to win. I mean, he he wanted you know again, you know West Virginia had um, fallen behind, even in the Big East in facilities. Um, you know, Rich saw this giant revenue stream that was being untapped, and because they had personal interests in their own little fiefdom, they refused. And Rich. <laughs> Rich wasn't as savvy as Bobby Huggins. You know, they told Bobby Huggins no about the um, his practice facility. Bobby just went to the public. He told everybody, raised the money himself. Rich pouted a little bit. I guess mm-hmm. they both made mistakes, but so. All right, last question: What is your prediction on? how this ends up with realignment. 
I'm 90% certain that West Virginia ends up in the ACC. Uh, you know, we, we don't really trust the ACC, but um, it just makes too much sense. There's too many people at play. You know, Gee is well-respected in the ACC. Shane Lyons is well-respected. You know, Jim Clements, great carry with ESPN. You know, ESPN has a financial stake in getting West Virginia out of B12. Um, it makes sense to the ACC based on, you know, value. I worry about the rest of the Big 12 teams. Um, you know, they're, they're good people who really care about football. Um, I would like the ACC to add WVU and Oklahoma State and wait for Notre Dame. Uh, I don't know. You know, it, it it's – there's a danger that these – Bid-level programs, the stature of West Virginia and Oklahoma State and Kansas State and Iowa State are going to get left out. Mm -hmm. And that really galls me when um, I think of programs like in the ACC who are basically dead weight on the conference. Yeah. And you know who they are. I don't have to name them. Um, But I I think that, that really... Um, makes the programs who earn the money unhappy too. You know, it's like you have to spend to win, and then you have programs in the conference who aren't spending spending to win, but they're getting as much revenue as you. Yeah, that um, might be a relic of the past. Well, I know that Pitt Pitt doesn't have to report their um, athletic revenues. But they do file financial statements with the state every now and again. Before COVID, they were running a $25 million budget of deficit. Wow. How do you compete? You know, it's like, you know, they don't have their own facilities. They don't have their own stadium. They live off the charity of the Steelers, really. You know, they, um, I have a good friend who worked at Milan Pharmaceuticals who was a pit booster. And he said to me... Um, you know, uh, pit football doesn't move the needle at pit. It's like you know, <laughs> usually when when you win, um, donations increase. There's a direct correlation between donations and even um, applications for admission. So win or lose, pit football has the same lackadaisical support. So no boosters get irate over pit losing. Yep. Yeah, I'm sorry, but Tony Dorsett and Dan Marino should have had no bearing on the the influence uh, in in Pitt coming into the ACC. I, I didn't understand it at the time. But what you said, uh, you you said you would do two, you add two schools and then wait on Notre Dame, but uh, th- but then that is that practical because then that makes you a 17 team. Conference of Notre so it Dame looks does like everybody's going to super conferences and they live and play pods. Yeah, so I was just ACC. thinking. I was just thinking sixteen, four or sixteen, is that scenario's sort of go-to um, arrangement. Well, here's a question for you: Is there any point in time when some of the private schools in the ACC can't afford to actually compete? Probably. I mean, 
you know, Wake is a Wake on record as saying they're not going to pay players, they're not going to get stipends. I don't see how Pitt can do it. You know, it. It you know, the ACC has counting on if you count Pitt or not, and Pitt Pitt is a semi. They have six private schools. Um, you know, you remember Mr. SEC? Um, he was one of my mentors early, and he told me. Um, Who's this? Mr. SEC. Do you remember him? Who? Uh, he ran the Mr. SEC website. What's his name? Oh, God. Um, I forget his name. Darn it. Oh, gosh. Um, I'll get back to you on that. You know, it's been a year since I spoke to him. He's won several Emmys. He's a reporter down there. He told me. Tony Barnhart? Um, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. He, he told me that um, it's hard for private schools to compete unless they bend the rules. Because they usually don't have the donor base, you know, or the support. And he used Miami as an example. And, you know, Baylor, Baylor's rise to power was quick. You know, it's so quick like that, it's a suspect. Um, so... You know, the ACC's future is established because of the contract, but is its competitive future established? Right. That's the question. So it's like, the world's changing too Uh, fast. Yeah. I mean, if you you polled Clemson fans this year on if they had to choose to go to all of the home games or – just go to the Georgia game at the opener in Charlotte. I would guess most of them would choose the the George the one game over. Oh yeah, it's it's the same way. You know, you know who Mountaineer fans are focusing on this year? The two games, Maryland and Virginia Tech. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's just you know, the old ways die hard. It it it's just so. I understand it's a business. But there shouldn't be so much greed involved. You know, that's. Well, I have a few predictions for you if you want to hear them. Sure. One of them is um, that a future coach, the next coach of Clemson after Dabo, and I hope is a long, long time away, I bet you a dollar to a donut it's going to be Neil Brown. Hmm. He's a perfect fit at West Virginia, and he might stay here a long time like like uh, Elon did, but he's also a perfect fit at Clemson. It's the, I always fear if, if, if Dabo would leave Clemson because I know that you guys will come after Neil Brown. All right. I, I got to stop you because I know that listeners are going to have an issue with this. The correct pronunciation is Dabo. Dabo. <laughs> okay. It drives people crazy. It drives people nuts. But I think the I think the only issue with that, the big issue with that, um, is that you have several assistants here who would absolutely, if they're still around, 
Um, or if they're elsewhere, maybe. Well, if they're still around, I guess they're not going to go elsewhere to be assistants. They'd only go elsewhere to be head coaches. But Brent Venables, Tony Elliott, um, those those would be the main two who have turned down big-time yeah. jobs in recent years who would be. But, you know, like you said, this is under the premise that Nebo's here a lot longer. And by that time, odds are Elliott and Venables will have either retired or gone on to run their own shows. Yeah, yeah. You know who you have to thank for Venables being at Clemson, don't you? Uh, the rest of the Big 12? Uh, Tavon Austin. <laughs> was that an 11? That was that game. Yeah, I think it was. Um, yeah, I think it was 2010 or 2011. Okay, because 11 was uh, his had, last year in Norman, and they, they just got strafed by a succession of admittedly really good quarterbacks in the yeah in the Big Tavon 12. Broke him. Remember that game? Uh, that was the bowl game, right? No, that was uh, West Virginia's. It must have been. Yeah, it was a bowl game. Yeah, the bowl game. So it wasn't Devon, it was uh, Slayton and White. Oh, gosh. And, uh, yeah, that was ugly. Schmidt. Well, no, it couldn't have yeah. been 11 because West Virginia played Clemson at 11. So it was probably, let's see. Yeah, yeah. It was. When did he go to, to Clemson? Uh, he went to Clemson after the 11 season. And uh, let's see. So it wasn't, it, it definitely wasn't 11. Was it 12? No, because Oklahoma beat West Virginia fifty to forty nine in twelve. Maybe it was. You, may, you might be thinking oh eight. I don't yeah, know. You know. I thought it was um, whoever the. I think wasn't he the athlete, the defensive coordinator in that West Virginia game when Tavon had like four hundred fifty yards rushing. I don't know. Let me. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, because he. It was. They they never switched out of their base defense, <laughs> which. Surprised a lot of people. Let's see. It was was it twelve? It was it was twelve. So it was that was the year that was Venable's first year. But then it, but but West Virginia, Oklahoma won that game. Yeah, by a point. Okay. Yeah. That anyway, he wasn't there. He had already left. But uh, oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The year before was when they they got lit up by uh Texas Tech. Yeah, they got a big quarterback. They got lit up by Griffin and Baylor. And they got lit yeah, up by Whedon and Oklahoma State, forty four to ten. And Oklahoma fans were helping him pack his bags. Yeah. And lo and behold yeah. he has become I think inarguably the top defensive coordinator of the game. Say again? You broke up there a little bit. You had to learn from his experience as a defensive coordinator in the yeah. 12. Because, you know, it's like it'll make you grow up or go home. Well, you face such a diversity to. of offenses uh, in the Big 12. Uh, what? Uh, so what are your other predictions? Uh, West Virginia will be in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, that Neil Brown will be one day be the coach of Clemson. That Rich Rodriguez will one day return to West Virginia in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really believe, like I said, that Texas is going to have a hard time in the SEC. 
We are writing those down and we have it for posterity on a recording on a podcast that'll Hey. Uh, <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah, thank you for joining us, uh, Chris, and uh great to catch well, up. But before it's over, give me your yay or nay on West Virginia in the Big Twelve uh, in the ACC. I'll say yay. Good man. Yeah, yeah. I I mean yay in two ways. I support it. And then yay. Uh, number two on on I could it, it it does seem to to match up in a number of ways. Yeah, I think our our information coincides. Would you agree? Yeah, information plus just sort of reading the tea leaves, um, putting yeah. two and two together. Yeah. yeah so. it, it, well, thank you very much for having me. I, you know, um, I've enjoyed watching clips into the years and hope to hate you soon. <laughs> thank you, Chris, the dude. I really right. appreciate you coming on. Thanks, bye. All right, wow. Good and interesting stuff. Thanks to the dude for sharing his time with us. Also, thanks to our six very loyal sponsors for helping making this happen. Helping make this happen. And finally, uh, most most of all, thanks to all of you for hitting play every week. Everybody have a wonderful week, and we'll be back very soon. Cheers. Cheers.